0: Digital Gonzo episode 146, recorded Friday 25th of January 2013, Why the Last Man?
1: Devils and gods, now that's an idea, but if. We believe that it's they who decide That's the ultimate detractor of crimes Cause devils and gods, they are you and I Devils and gods, they are you and I Devils and gods, safe and inside
0: Tonight we're going to talk about my favourite series of graphic novels. Ten books long, comprising 60 issues, released steadily between 2002 and 2008 by Vertigo. It's written by Brian K. Vaughan, who started out writing oddball X-Men books for Marvel, before getting a full-time gig on Ultima X-Men when Mark Miller left, and creating the mutant teenager book Runaways. Both of these as a result of this series. He also wrote a run on Vertigo's continuation of Swamp Thing, penned Ex Machina for Wildstorm, and several Batman and Green Lantern comics for DC. The artwork is by Pierre Guerrera, who worked on the book consistently throughout its six-year run. The premise is this... On July seventeenth, two 2002, in the middle of the afternoon New York time, without any warning whatsoever, every male on the planet dies suddenly and horribly, leaving the Earth to a horrified other half of their species. This includes animals, fertilized eggs, and even sperm. Yorick Brown, a 22-year-old unemployed magician and escape artist and his new helper monkey, Ampersand, find that they are the only creatures in the world with a Y chromosome. What then begins is a journey that will take Yorick all over the world, accompanied by a government agent and a geneticist. Agent 355 is charged with protecting the most important man who ever lived. And Dr. Allison Mann must find out why the gendercide skipped this one individual and work towards some way to turn that into a solution to the human race's imminent extinction. Yorick's plan is to find his girlfriend in Australia and propose to her. On the way, they face armies of violent Amazons, angry Republicans, the Israeli military, domestic terrorists, and a ninja. At every step, they encounter the remaining 51%, women who have lost boyfriends, husbands, brothers, fathers, sons, women trying to deal with the most terrible and psychologically damaging social upheaval in a history of mankind that has now changed forever. To the point where it might not be called mankind anymore. To discuss book one, Unmanned, with me, without spoiling the other nine, hopefully, are Leah Haydu of Dorkcast. Hello. Sharon Shaw of Dorkcast. Hello. Matt Ramsey of Dorkcast. Hello. <laughs> you guys noticing a pattern? Joshua Garrity of Canaan Rince. Hello there. And Jerome McIntosh of the Gonzo Planet community. Good day, sir one of my teeth fell in half earlier today. So I'm going to try and cut back on the jaw boning today and let you guys do as much of the talking as possible. So I've framed my notes in the form of questions. So what I'll do is I'll just ask you the questions one in turn and let you guys go to town on it. Question one, how do Brian and Pia frame the catastrophic event in the first issue?
2: For me, the way they frame it is exactly how I'd imagined it would be. Um, 50% 50% of the population just drops dead. And regardless of the fact, like, even if it was a mixture of male or and female, if 50% of the population suddenly dropped dead, um, it would just cause <laughs> the most... It would just be completely chaotic. I mean, um, you know, they talk about, like, planes dropping out of the sky and stuff like that. It's... For a while there, it's almost apocalyptic now what i do like is that eventually um as the book progresses things start to sort themselves out that it's still quite chaotic but there is a sense of uh civilization people aren't going completely mad uh apart from a, a group that i'm sure we're going to talk about later but um at first it's just insane
0: there's almost like a countdown feel in the actual first issue
3: there's not a countdown feel. There is a straight up countdown.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Explain this.
3: Well, in the uh time leading up to the actual the the event itself, in just the the actual moment when uh when everyone dies, um, there's a series of kind of uh, just a series of panels that are set up uh with like 5 seconds before, 4 seconds before and it it's coming off of a series of kind of introductory um, passages, almost. So you have a, a bunch of different groups and individuals and um, just scenes that you know you're going to be following, at least for a while, if not for the rest of the, the, the duration of the series. And um, once you have all of these, it kind of, kind of flickers between them very quickly to show exactly what everybody is doing immediately before this happens Mm. um and it it's i I think that it's probably intended to be cinematic because it it kind of does have that almost feel of a movie trailer where you know they flick between all of the scenes that are going on and then boom hit with title screen or whatever it is um so I, i it's um i think it's very well put together and um kind of gives you a uh a, a good a good view uh of not just what your main character is doing, your one main character if there even is one main character in this book, but it kind of gives you an overview and uh gives you an idea of how wide ranging this is.
0: There's actually been a lot of talk about it becoming a movie uh, over the past few years. The the argument was on Brian's part that um, you can't contain everything that happens in these ten books in one two-hour movie. That would be ludicrous. That would be like saying, do The Lord of the Rings in one two-hour movie.
3: Um, Might be good as a uh, TV show.
0: Precisely. Then. This would work so well as a Walking Dead cell TV show. In fact, as a pilot, this first issue – uh, would maybe carry you up to halfway through where you're sort of, you're getting to know everyone. Um, it's not quite Stephen King style because he takes a lot longer usually, but, uh, if it just started with, uh, what becomes later known as Le Grand Depart, it would almost be like, right, this is chaos here. How do I know who these people really are? Because they're all panicking and freaking out, but it's, it's quite engaging the way that you sort of, you get to see what everyone does for a living before everything falls apart, including, of course, what Yurik does for a living, which is
4: bugger all.
2: I, I think it while you're on that subject, I think it's great having a character who is so unprepared for the um, the event and what's about to happen to him going forwards. Because yeah. usually with these uh, post-apocalyptic movies, we're given a character who is extremely capable. Um, I'm thinking Will Smith in I Am Legend and yeah. stuff like that, where the, the character is just built to deal with this kind of situation whereas yorick is just one of us he's a loser who who doesn't really get much work he likes to think of himself as a bit of a comedian but sometimes he's not very funny um it's refreshing having a character that feels a bit more real and also feels like somebody you'd meet in real life he's an
0: absolute geek and um it's it's once the central triangle is set up between him, Dr. Man, and 355, it becomes apparent that... Uh uh Doctor Mann has a special, been in a lab so long she specialises in all things to do with her line of work but isn't so much a people person. Uh three fifty five is extremely ordered and military and you know knows how to get things done as long as they fit within a fairly narrow bodyguard, secret agent assassin type
5: All well, she knows is killing in black uniforms.
0: Yeah. Uh and Yorick knows movie quotes. He knows how to get out of a pair of handcuffs because he's an escape artist, uh and he knows obscure trivia. He's utterly useless in every other regard. In fact, quite the opposite of a survivor. He puts himself in dangerous situations repeatedly, to the point where you, you kind of want to slap him.
5: I, I actually quite like the way that, that sort of offsets with uh, Yorick's importance. Um, I mean, obviously skipping ahead a little bit, the, uh, the the obvious conclusion to draw from the fact that there is one uh, male left um, in this in, in, apparently on the entire planet um, is that, that basically there's he's got one use. He doesn't need to be able to do anything else.
0: In more. Clumsy hands, this would have become one of two things, either a uh, uh, macho fantasy where he basically gets to fuck every girl he meets, and of course they 're all desperate for it or
5: and the large women again
0: <laughs> or a feminist piece about how uh, uh, utterly um, useless men were in the first place, and how uh, that they 're better off without them, or uh, it, it, could, it could have turned into something that actually pretty nasty, as it turns out. Um, even though it's written by a man, it's got some of the best female characterization I've ever read because he he is pinned to only writing female characters. There are a lot of characters throughout these uh, 60 issues. And although it's it's by no means perfect, and there are many times you're like, hang on a second, I don't think they've met someone who wasn't a little bit sexy for quite some time now. Where are the normal people? Where's Susan Boyle? But, uh, but then occasionally he'll remember it and go... Ugh. Put a normal-looking woman in this particular crowd, uh, and occasionally women talk a, a little too funny or snappy. And it, it, it's not quite how Quentin Tarantino always makes his characters talk like him, but th- there's a lot of really slick dialogue which isn't exactly realistic in this. But it's extremely compelling nonetheless. I mean, Walking Dead isn't exactly realistic, but it's extremely compelling.
6: Kissing me once, more than once And you looked as sincere as a dog Just as sincere as a dog does When it's the food on your lips with which it's in love I bet you could never tell that I knew you didn't know me that well. It is my fault, you see, you never learned that much from me. but we went on wholehearted it ended bad but i love where we started it says up, but we went on wholehearted it ended bad but i love where we started one thing that
5: i did want to mention in context of this actually was um is, is something called the bestel test
2: mm-hmm.
5: um i don't know whether any of you guys are, are aware ah, of this? Yeah, I'm or, familiar
2: or, with it. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> um, well, basically, the uh, the Bechel test tests were something that was originally devised um, to assess uh, gender bias, specifically in movies, but it's it's kind of been extended to cover all fiction. Um, if you want to identify whether uh, a piece of fiction is strongly biased, um, specifically away from women. Are there two or more named female characters in it? If there are, do they talk to each other? And if they do, do they talk to each other about something other than... It, it. Originally, it was specifically other than a man or men or sex or, you know, things specifically pertaining to that. It has been sort of widened to incorporate marriage and babies as well. So... Basically, if it, if it gets a tick in the box for all those three things, then it passes the special test. There's actually a website dedicated to, um, rating movies according to whether or not they pass this test. Um, and yeah, it, this is, it's, this is kind of the, the perfect thing to apply it to, really.
2: It's scary how many films don't pass the test though. Yeah. That's, I, I think the, the, the website's that website. got
5: about 3,300 films that they have rated and I think only 53% of them passed this test.
0: How ironic. There's that sort of slightly unbalanced half and half situation. To widen the picture in people's minds, we're going to have to basically assume that people haven't read this and this is our hour to convince people to go out and get book one and if they like book one, continue. What disasters arise as a result of the Grand Department?
3: People well, using are using words like grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> they
0: sorry. are in France at the time. <laughs> it's a, it's a French person mentions that or, or someone in France mentions that.
5: Is, is that a term used for the rapture by any chance? Mm,
0: it, it feels like the rapture. Uh, it, I think actually someone, someone even ties it in with the rapture at some point, some particularly religious person. Um, and says that women were being punished and are forced to be left behind.
5: Yeah, the response of the woman she's talking to at that point is...
0: <laughs> Christless.
5: Extremely good, yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. Actually, it would seem Le Grande Depart is most often associated with the Tour de France. Not nearly as apocalyptic as we may have led you to believe.
4: L- let's just call it the, the event. <laughs> <laughs> to save pretension. One of the things you see right at the beginning is uh, a nuclear power station that's... Uh... Completely uh, unstaffed, and mm. presumably the implication is going to melt down, yeah because there's no there's no one there, um, presumably the uh, nuclear power station industry is predominantly uh, staffed by men, and so there's no one left to look after it. that is going to be repeated all around the world, which is obviously a fairly heavy implication but um, that's the, the most obvious one I noticed immediately.
2: Um, one that I found really funny was the uh, political parties where the mm-hmm. liberal political parties had like equal distribution between men and women uh, in powerful positions where on the right side it was almost all men. So they were in this situation where um, like all the people in power were liberals because – they were all, you know, all the female politicians were liberals and all the right-wing uh, politicians' wives were thinking, oh, my God, this is so unfair. <laughs> like, all the men die and suddenly uh, we have no power anymore. I thought that was quite, you know, quite an interesting now, political that commentary. it's
5: bitingly ironic.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they, um, they, uh, that's one of the several... Um Almost mass effect style, really quite interesting uh, ethical conundrums. Because they say, uh, the Republican wives, you're holding our nation hostage. You are, uh, you know, it's it's incredibly swung towards the Democrats. Uh, in life, work before the men uh, left, I think they they throw a, a statistic of there have been 51 women who have tried to succeed their husbands uh, after they died, and every single one of them got into place. It's actually 45. But the Democrats argued back, but they were democratically elected. This was actually done under a system. You can't just – the Republicans at this point are holding shotguns at at them on the White House lawn. Um, You can't just literally storm your way into the White House and say, what, we demand equal footing.
3: As the only American on the podcast, yeah, it doesn't work that way.
0: Um, there's also, uh, they, they encounter multiple train crashes along the way and, um, the, the roads are all absolutely piled up because uh, the, the men die messily and in extreme pain so every single turnpike, every single motorway would have just become a pile up of cars. Ergo, travel becomes really, really difficult across the, uh, the countries because you, there's just too many cars to get out the way. And in fact, um, at the beginning, uh, one of the first people Yorick meets that we see uh, is collecting bodies because there's just so many men in apartments and houses who just died quietly and no one was around to um, pick them up. Also, uh, airplanes start dropping out of the sky like like lead balloons because uh, such a high percentage of pilots are male. And everyone, of course, on the, uh, the flights dies as well. So there's just, it's, it's an absolutely terrible situation and far more than 49% of the human race dies as a result of it. Also, you've got no
7: electricity. Yeah. The electricians around. So when the power goes down, very few people have the know-how to bring it back online. You've got the issue of hospitals going down. Any sort of things that people are require, required to survive, they have to change their daily lives completely
2: there's also the stuff that the comic never directly uh, mentions but you if you think about it you know this stuff is going on like what about single fathers who had children now those children are you know abandoned on the streets and stuff like that it goes far beyond simply all the men are dead like this I don't know how many women died that day as well, but I'm willing to bet that it was, you know, in the hundred thousands as well. I'd say definitely but, in the millions. Yeah. There's enough disasters for, for that to be a definite thing.
5: Yeah. Every woman who was
3: in a car that a man was driving, um, or a train or a plane or yeah. or anybody that got hit by a, a car that was being driven by a man or, Yeah.
2: Or, like Matt said, the uh, nuclear power stations. That's going to kill nuclear, quite a few. Nuclear,
3: nuclear, nuclear.
2: Yeah. <laughs> also, you've got,
3: We've been through um, this before. <laughs> I know.
2: I'm just reading
7: the back of, uh, like, the first issue, where the first issue ends, and it actually says, like, um, none of the United States, nearly 200,000 female troops have ever been in ground combat, whereas other countries still have active, actively fighting women at the moment. So... They it proposed the whole issue of when the Israelis come that they have very little defence at the time mm.
4: Mm. Plus, Very little uh, trained
5: defence, although yeah. it, there, there would still be some basic combat training, but I think it's, it's got more to do with a, a, a sense of willingness to go out there and shoot things um, and I think a lot of the, uh, as the, the story progresses, you do see these little knots of Uh, very militant women but they are very very much in the minority it's a a pinch of them here and there.
4: Plus uh, there's only three countries in the world that have any female crews on their submarines so every single submarine that America Russia, China and the UK for instance have currently got deployed are now just floating bouncing around the bottom of the sea ready to cause a a huge catastrophe at some point in the future
0: Oh Christ, I forgot about that, with all the nuclear weapons on board
4: And the nuclear reactors on board, because almost all of them will be nuclear. And they wouldn't even be able to find them because
0: how do you get to the bottom of the sea without an accessible submarine?
7: You don't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And even if you did, how would you get a submarine off the bottom of the ocean?
5: And frankly, even the the subs that do have women on board, they're going to be very, very much in the minority, and would they really be able to surface them by themselves
2: mm.
4: well
7: yeah, considering,
2: no. I, I, considering
7: yeah. how many people it takes just to run one submarine and the majority of them are dead
4: yeah yeah well i mean i, I imagine that a few of them would be would be able to you know a few of the, the submarines out there they'd have enough women on board that, that they would be able to manage to get it to the surface at least yeah? right that doesn't mean that they'd be able to get it anywhere they'd be able to go up but that would be about it and, and they'd be stranded at sea a lot of them would be stranded at at the bottom of the sea, full of in a submarine full of dead people, which would be a fairly horrific way to end.
5: Indeed, America, I believe, has has just brought in um, a, a law allowing women in frontline combat positions. So maybe somebody read this book and went, "Hang yeah. on a minute." <laughs>
0: It actually has a, a, um, a very similar feel to World War Z. It's funnier than World War Z, but it's it's got that same sense of look. I've done my research. Here are some stats for you.
5: Mm. There's also the the again it's it's much more uh, comedic, but um, it it's reminiscent of um, Children of Men. That feeling of uh, if if something is not done, then we're just watching the clock now.
0: Yeah, the, uh, the, there's a piece of graffiti in Children of Men. Well, the last person to leave, please switch off the light. Um, this sense that the human race is now slowly dying, that it can't replicate itself, and uh, they're just marking time.
5: Yeah, there's a, a comment that um, Dr. Mann says at one point, I don't think it's in the first book, but um, she announces that Pick a particular species yeah, has just turned extinct yeah. because the the extent of their life cycle has passed since all the males died.
0: Actually, someone talks later on about protecting the last of the lionesses. There's a real, there's a genuine sense of tragedy about what went on, because even if, and I'm not going to spoil anything, the human race is able to save itself, so many species are basically gone as a result of this.
2: Very true. it would have a catastrophic Drop it, uh, I can't say words. It would have a extremely hazardous effect on the environment of the earth. Mm. I know it's, it's sad that so many creatures, um, are going extinct, but on, on a big picture scale, that's going to, like, think of all, screw like, screw up the food chain. Yeah, screw up the food chain. And I, the, the ocean yeah. is, uh, you know, fish and stuff like that is so important people don't consider it. It's so important for the life cycle of everything on earth that I'd, I, like some species would go extinct just, even if their life cycle exceeds the life cycle of other animals, they'll just go extinct because their food source is gone.
5: However, there are- Snails are alright. Right. Exactly. I was just about to say there are going to be some layers of the food chain that would actually be okay because they reproduce hermaphroditically and also you've then got animals slightly higher up the food chain yes you're looking at fish and amphibians I don't think there's any mammals that can do this but they, if there's a, a distinct lack of one gender in the environment some of them will change sex
3: dinosaurs
5: with frog
3: DNA <laughs>
0: yes finds a way
3: <laughs> it does
8: your life Have to happen
0: okay, um, how, so how did the Amazons come about?
5: Is it ever made completely clear?
0: It's not, there's not a, a cause and effect situation, but more to explain who they are and what they're about.
5: Uh, they are a group of women... Uh, or they they start out I think as a, a small group of women but then gradually expand into almost a cult. Um, almost. Yeah, I mean, well, there's, at what there's,
0: stage does it does it become a cult?
5: I would say they all flocked it around it one particularly
0: cult. evangelical woman named
1: Victoria.
5: Yeah, but I think the the turning point is when um, you start to see other chapters of the Amazons springing up here, there, and everywhere. When when word of them Friends. gets around and goes further than the original group themselves can go, I think that's the point at which you, you would I would say that's a cult. So what are they um, about? Uh, they are basically. Um, a group of women who take the position that the death of all the males is some kind of predestined uh, fight back by the earth itself, um, and that 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 it is a good thing that they should embrace it and, and um, that they should reject any um, any courses of action or, or desires or interests that attach them to their former lifestyles
2: and also they just destroy any symbols of masculinity as well they destroy statues and art and stuff like that
0: sperm banks even though that has no makes no difference all the male sperm are dead all the
3: male sperm
5: would have popped
3: there's a um, character in the beginning who uh, references that she had met a, uh, a transsexual uh, who was a, a female to male transsexual who was her boyfriend after this whole thing went on and the the amazons found out and killed him yeah
0: that's another thing actually that uh, i think is handled very well uh, by brian there is no straightforward clean sweep of all the men are gone all the women suddenly turn leather.
5: actually that was one thing i wanted to um to to say about that I really like the fact that you have different viewpoints. some people I, I think there's there's one girl particularly who says it's going to take more than the disappearance of all the men to make me eat pussy eat pussy that was it um, and but yet somebody else takes the approach of any port in a storm um, and obviously anybody who is gay or bisexual is. I was going to say okay, but that sounds really. <laughs>
0: no, <important. laughs> it's not without a mate, but ultimately, um,
5: yeah,
0: they make a point that every woman has lost someone, and that that's had a huge repercussion on their life. But there's one woman that uh, Yorick meets later on who's actually straight, and says, "You know what? I, you probably wouldn't have been my kind of guy if you know before all the guys went. And so I'm, why should I change my?" Uh, policy now and they just end up getting drunk instead it's a great way of challenging uh preconceptions to read this book especially i think every teenage lad should read this book because it'll really teach them a thing or two about about just assuming that a girl is going to be like xyz
3: i actually used this book in my um uh, one of my intro lit or not lit one of my intro composition classes. I don't remember why, but I do remember that I used it.
0: Teenage boys who have been uh, whose um, major source of information on how women behave is Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> way, lads, way, get that way.
2: The thing is that they. There is quite a lot of um, sex in Why the Last Man, but it's not there to titillate. They actually examine the psychology behind it. Um, I know I'm I'm skipping ahead a book, but and I'm not going to go into detail, only to say there's a book dedicated to just examining the psychology behind certain... Uh, you know sexual um, urges and stuff like that and Yorick's behaviour towards women and stuff like that it's not just there to be like oh look boobs and bums it's actually interesting um, a dissection of the psychology of it uh, you're talking
0: about book four Safe Word which is probably um, my favourite book of the entire ten it may not be the best one of the ten. I actually think that the, the tenth and final is, well, the most recent time I read it, the, which would be the third time, uh, it devastated me. Uh, I'll go, I'll go on to the, that and, and, and not exactly explain, but give an idea of what to expect if you read through this whole thing. Uh, but book four, safe word, um, in terms of psychosexual investigations and, and, and using that for characterization, is so fascinating. It made me, st- that kind of book actually made my brain start working better. If, if that makes any sense. It made me more analytical. It made me go, right, okay, what, what's the reason behind this more? It's, there are several things that have done that to me in my life. The Matrix was a big one in 1999 that first started me thinking, oh, everything's a system and sort of work within these systems. But book four, Safe Word, really got me thinking about the psychology attached to sex and identity. It's fantastic.
5: Yes, that, element of um, looking at how people's psychological and ethical attitudes compare with each other um, there's there's no norm in this series that, that I could securely identify, everybody has a different, um, everyone that they meet has certain ethical patterns and, and uh, certain ways of looking at things but there doesn't really seem to be any case of you know uh, Quite often, historically, in fiction and and in in human ways of looking at things or, or certainly male ways of looking at things the the male norm is considered to be the standard, and the female way of looking at things is often considered to be the deviation in this there is no standard yorick 's psychological twists and turns are examined in exactly the same way as everybody else 's are that you look at the the consequences of those um psychological twists and turns rather than looking at them in and of themselves and if they you know if, if something does no harm then why look at it as as weird or strange or, or anything like that it's it's there are so many situations and scenarios that are about what does this cause you to do how does it cause you to behave as long as that is healthy for the group that's fine and i found that very interesting
0: okay next question this will basically be a cleanup of things we haven't already mentioned. Uh, but as a result of the incident, what social systems and things we have come to rely on in modern society diminish significantly.
7: I'd say religion is what the major one. Yeah. Considering quite a lot of the, the heads were just purely male.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they, they they do mention the Catholic Church, and they, it is revealed at one point that the percentage of
2: important people in the Catholic Church has been diminished to, like, five. I think money is the big one. Like, who cares about money in yeah. a society like this? Yeah. Like, it's, it's become much more of a barter society now. I'll trade you this for this, you know. Um, I've got something you need, and you've got something I need. Let's make a deal. Money's just a symbol of the old world that we use to, you know, try and purchase things we want. It's useless here. Mm.
5: I don't think that's necessarily specific to this scenario, though, because that, I mean, in in any sort of um, post... uh, Post Post-civilization. Post-civilization, thank you, that's the term I was looking for. In any post-civilization story or examination, money is only useful in terms of it being universally trackable um, because you need the computer systems that say you owe this person that and you've racked up this much credit and therefore that's how much you have to spend and it also everybody has to agree to accept it if you walk into a place with a handful of shells and say this is my currency the person behind the counter has to say alright I will accept that as your currency before it's any good to you whereas food or fuel or something which actually has a use and a purpose is you can exchange that with anybody provided they actually need the thing that you've got.
0: Most of the time people tend to just deal in canned goods because they'll keep. There's a uh, traveling amateur dramatic society that got paid in hundreds of cans of cuttlefish or something like that. They they don't ever want to see cuttlefish ever again. Um, other things that appear to uh, have gone, as we've said before, electricity seems to be out most of them. When they encounter at least the first town which has electricity, they're amazed. And it's because the women there have managed to actually pull themselves together. The internet. Now, specifically, this was 2002 and the internet was in its infancy. I don't think Brian K. Vaughan really knew how important it would become. But if uh, his the story was set in 2012, there would be... Immediate attempts to get the internet back online if, it, if, if the internet went down What would actually happen? Does anyone know?
4: I don't like
7: to think about it
4: <laughs> Would they have
0: <laughs>
7: to turn it's the
4: giant server on and off? <laughs> well, well, initially nothing would happen Because you, you know, the, the internet will keep running But as things will break, things will, will break down and eventually you'll get a service blackout Until the whole thing grinds to a halt but yeah, you know it wouldn't suddenly stop at the moment that mm. the event happened it would take possibly even months for, for bits of it to shut down but with assuming tab- the electricity assuming the power kept going obviously
0: but with tablets and things provided that there's um, like 3g coverage still going there would be ways to coordinate so many women and it's like they could pull civilization back together just with tablets for like in the, in the first crucial couple of hours
3: while that's true, what year did this start? 2002. Yeah, yeah no, I'm the so, iPad I'm was saying, not there.
0: <laughs> no, I'm saying hypothetically, if it was in 2012, everything would be different. It's
3: 2013.
1: Oh my God, it is
4: 2013.
3: The only reason I say that is because we, well, we... Made the same I mistake. have made the same mistake on, the, on our show several times already.
0: Oh. Okay, so it's alt-13... <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. Okay, um.
3: <laughs> but no, I, I understand. <laughs> but
0: in OOT two, everything was different.
3: Yeah, no, seriously though, because I mean that if if this book were being written now, then that would have been something that they would have had to consider. Mm. Um, but it was not as widespread that you would have things like you know, a, a tablet computers or or smartphones or any of that kind of stuff. Um, so that's that's something that. Um, I do think would have changed the basic storyline uh, quite a bit.
5: Also, I think that, um, I mean, I know it's only 10 years ago, but I think there probably has been a lot of shift in terms of female pilots, in terms of female soldiers. And, you know, there's, there's various things that the, de- the degradation of the civilization that people were used to. Stood primarily on the fact that there were large swathes of industry that were almost exclusively populated by men.
2: I think the thing with the internet though, going back to that, is that while it would be extremely useful in this kind of situation, I think there are other means of communication, um, that would require far less maintenance, like ham radios and stuff like that. Whereas the, compared to the internet, the internet requires, you know, c- quite a lot of attention to keep running. Whereas a basic ham radio setup is quite easy for anyone to use and doesn't require somebody constantly making sure like the servers are mm. on and working.
0: Interestingly, he never goes into ham radio. They 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 make a point of saying that um, the White House has a landline phone which is still connected and uh, will always be able to dial out. Um, but they, no one ever uses a ham radio in the in all ten books. Not that I can think of, anyway.
4: Well, the, the thing with the ham radio, though, a lot of the time they're built and maintained by the, the operator. Uh, and I, I would imagine that the majority of the operators would probably be men. But also, I would have no idea how to keep one of those running. And I doubt any of you would either. Uh, if, if you were amateur... Um, Amateur electronic engineers Simply because I don't even know anyone who has a ham radio Not anymore mm. uh, I think my, my, well, my dad used to have a CB when he was a truck driver But that's about it And and so I don't think it is as As obvious Where you'd be able to find one If you might be able to find one going through a random house But I don't think they're not prevalent enough To really uh, Serve a purpose of actually organising anything uh, As an as a organised form of communication Um S- Without the people operating them, so.
0: In the case of apocalypse, folks, uh, seek out old nerds.
8: <laughs> they shall All be worries. your saviors.
0: Severely diminished public services. There, there is uh, severely a lot less instances of police, fire departments, uh, ambulances. It's, it's everyone seems to have, to, at least at first, have to fend for themselves.
5: I think, though, that's got more to do with the uh, the shock. Um, because those are, are services that even in 2002, there would have been a lot of women working for those services. Mm. But when something like this has happened, your first attention is going to be to the remainder of your own family. Mm. Um, and I think the um, the character of uh, Hero, Yorick's sister, although her mental state, which is quite a focal point of the story as it progresses, is an extreme reaction. Her first response, I don't think, would be a rare one. She mm. freaks out and then she basically drops everything and walks away.
0: It's because the man she, she loves has is, is died suddenly in front of her. Exactly, and wants.
5: she's she's a paramedic. She's not unaccustomed to dealing with crisis, but I think the sheer magnitude of this would, frankly, destabilise anybody.
0: As we said earlier, government systems are uh, uh, diminished as well. There's, um, the, the White House appears to be lit by candlelight, and there's only a few a skeleton staff of a few women and someone on the gate trying to hold things together. I think, was it the Secretary of Agriculture ends up ascending to the role of president because everyone else in front of her was a man? Yes. Yes. yes.
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Which is
5: similar to um, the situation that uh, Laura Roslin finds herself in in Battlestar Galactica.
4: Yeah. Wasn't it, in actual fact, someone else, but that person died in a car crash or something? There was another woman ahead of her, but they died in a car crash? Yeah, yeah. Yes.
5: you're right,
4: yeah. yeah. So 355 has to track her down. It's not just um, things
0: that hold society together that disappear. Transformation is a major
7: one that, yeah. is, that yeah. is pretty much down for a long period of time, which causes this segregation sort of clan mentality where the world becomes a lot less a lot smaller because you're limited to the people who are in your vicinity
0: yeah there's pockets of civilization left rather than a network it's not just um things which were actually conducive to civilization there are some by- very unpleasant byproducts of civilization that appear to be mostly the prof- the preserve of men that almost disappear overnight as a result um i can't I'm racking my brains and throughout the entire book, I can't think of many, if any, instances of straightforward rape.
5: There couldn't be. Rape is by definition
2: done with a penis.
0: Okay. Sexual assault woman to woman.
2: I have a feeling that that, that probably did go on. The book... Uh, series so far hasn't touched on it um, I don't know it,
0: uh, it, Having read through it three times I can tell you right now that there is never any instance that I can think of of female on female sexual assault
5: I think by and large if it, and I, I, would, I would guess it, it probably would happen but it would statistically it's much more likely to take place in the context of relationships So, you know, maybe girls who've, or, you know, women who have got together and one of them has a more uh, dominating personality and more of a desire to control and then any assault would spring from that rather than it being a, you know, person on the street pounce.
0: There's girl on girl assault. Boy Howdy is that girl on girl assault there, uh, There's I- a lot of violence in this book Go Matt
4: yeah. Sorry just to put out the definition of rape In a legal perspective okay. uh, is Does not necessitate a penis Yes it's it does a, No it doesn't Not according to the FBI And uh, the World Health Organisation Defined it in 2002 As physically forced or otherwise coerced penetration Even if slight of the vulva or anus Using a penis, other body parts or an object So by a legal definition By the World Health Organisation Rape is any kind of
5: Force right, okay, that's interesting, because I was going by the legal definition of the British police force. Or the, sorry, the, uh, British law mm. defines it as, as penetration of the mouth yeah, and
4: obviously it, or, or it, the it. It does vary, yeah, but yeah. I mean, there's, and, there's a any, lot of anything different...
5: else would be called assault by penetration. There is a separate crime, um, that deals with, right, okay. yeah. with those other things. Okay.
0: So, well, Straying there, off so. the point here, we're, we're talking <laughs> sorry, about sexual sure. assault rather than semantics of the word rape. Sorry. Um, that it would be obvious what would be considered sexual assault and it doesn't occur. And it's possible that Brian just didn't want to tackle that. that it's possible that Brian felt that that would not occur within his story, um, but he doesn't even reference it. I don't think he necessarily has to.
5: I think, it, in, in fairness, the incidents of it are statistically so small by comparison to uh, the incidents of male-on-female sexual assault mm. as as to be not completely irrelevant to the story, but if it happened, it would be a very specific part of the plotline, and that does not arise.
0: Sim- in some way linked with this, uh, there doesn't appear to be any straightforward sense of illegal sex trafficking. There is prostitution, uh, and it almost seems to be sanctioned. Like, that's just the way a lot of women are now going to have to make their living, um, because ultimately, like I said, money's gone, so you use what you have to barter with.
5: I think, from but there's
0: not a straightforward like like women, um, multiple women trapped in in a, uh, a metal case at the dockyards being trafficked by Russian female gangsters.
5: Well, again, for that to happen, you'd have to have a market, and Precisely. the market would have to be big enough for it to be worth your while.
0: Yeah. Ergo, uh, the the implication is thus that with men gone, that desire to for sexual control over women disappears as well.
5: You could theorise that a lot of male desire to control female sexuality is about control of procreation, Mm. and that is no longer a factor.
2: Uh, different kinds of control uh manifest though absolutely the, yes. the control over people's beliefs and stuff like that start yeah. to uh represented uh, mainly by victoria leader of the amazons manipulating and controlling people through their feelings emotions and their beliefs
0: she even does it in a way that gets um the uh, women under her thrall to embrace their sexuality rather than actually um She's, she's almost kind in the way she, she treats them, but her actions, if you look at it from the outside, are beyond psychotic.
5: See, actually, you say that there's, there's a, a lack of directly portrayed sexual assault. You might not actually see the incidents occur, but I would say that what Victoria does and the way she controls her, her girls, air quotes, um, it comes very, very close to that.
0: It's psychosexual in nature, absolutely.
5: Indeed. Absolutely. I mean, she, she has them burn off their breast. Hmm. That's, you know, there's, there is a sexual connotation in that.
0: This is um, uh, both as a show of faith and f- uh, fidelity to the Amazon way uh, and a reference to the uh, classic Amazons who would remove one breast to allow them to be better archers. Another thing which disappears, and this is something that Waverly mentions, I don't know if she's ever called by name, but she's the model in leather pants that Yorick uh, uh, meets uh, the first time around. Um, modeling. Disappears. No no need for it. No interest in it.
3: Now, I don't necessarily think that that – I mean, I think it's certainly part of um, having no, no males around anymore, but I also think that that's uh, tied to, like, the money issue. Yeah. If – If you are in a society now that has no need for things like money, then you are you're facing a whole new hierarchy of what you actually need. There is no need for people to you need them to be doing something different because you have so few people left comparatively to what you used to have that you can't afford to have anybody wasting their time standing around and modeling. It, 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 It doesn't. It, even even if people were interested in having that, there just isn't you, – you just can't because there, there are more important things for them to be doing. So what Master, we're really talking what's... about
0: here is fashion. Fashion and fads go out the window because things that we can or can't have and we play the, the societal games of, oh, I, this is a thing I covered. I want a new iPad. Just out the window, you want food to eat and stay alive.
4: It's well marketing. Marketing yeah. is, is a form of marketing, and marketing is, when you get right down to it, the nitty gritty of staying alive, utterly useless. Yeah. Well, also there are no
0: channels left. There's no way, no way to, to market anything, yeah. and there's no one to
4: market it to.
2: Uh, well, it's not just marketing; it, it's bigger than that. It's consumer culture yeah. in general is gone. We've become a hunter-gatherer society again, yeah. um, and it means that anyone everyone's skills have to apply to that you are either building you know cooking or, or stuff like that stuff that, you can't review movies in the post apocalyptic <laughs> setting joel tries before. his best
6: yeah. although
5: it would appear you well, can you recreate can. them true yes. Right? yes
7: yes you can and you
0: can review them just to yourself <laughs> <laughs> As I said before, you know, because of the internet's prevalence, uh, when the apocalypse comes—sorry, uh, when post-civilization comes—you will hear uh, digital Gonzo on the emergency broadcast system, folks. You won't go without your movie reviews
2: <laughs> while you're slowly dying of some some unknown plague. Let me review Transformers too. Oh, make, no. you laugh. <laughs> I'll make you laugh. <laughs> I'll
3: make you commit suicide. Yeah. <laughs> Oh,
0: okay. okay. Uh, actually, speaking of um, suicide, what uh, in turn becomes more prevalent as a result of the men all departing? Uh,
3: suicide.
0: <laughs> suicide is one of them. Uh, one of them that actually turns up later on is addiction. Australia is mentioned specifically as being messed up by junk. There, are, uh, Sydney Opera House has now become this sort of uh, crack den where uh, uh, opium trafficked from America uh just goes to women who want to escape.
3: There's I would a... imagine that even though Australia is the one that they mention, I imagine that that's probably yeah. not an uncommon thing. But
0: because okay. the, all the uh, men and the huge amounts of uh, uh, um, male-dominated drug enforcement have disappeared, no one's to stop uh, opportunistic women from growing large amounts of uh, natural drugs in the vast expanses of um, countryside in America and across the world. There's a market for it. My God, there's still a market for it. That's
2: one thing that's well, drug, drugs is forever. That, that That's never going to go away. Addiction is such a powerful thing mm. that even in a society where you'd think people would want to concentrate on things that are more important, mm. they're still clinging to their vice.
0: But it's addiction that's going by unchecked. There's no one around to try to stop um, mm. the, the flows and trafficking anymore.
2: Well, well I imagine I there are... That's-
5: why why would you bother in, in again if the if the tone that has seized your local area is we're all going to be dead in about 70 years there will be no more people mm. then you'd have to be pretty hard hearted to say you who do have an addiction are going to spend the rest of those 70 years craving it because we won't let you satisfy it
0: it's a huge amount of effort to have to... Try. They can't actually put a cap on the drug market now with with all that we have available to us. It's thriving. So imagine trying to do it post-civilization. There's just other things to do. And ultimately, if women... If, if there are people who... If there are women who actually just want to lose themselves, that is their choice in this world.
2: I can't really, you know... Blame them. I, you know, I, no. I would try to do something constructive in that. Well, I'd say that, but I'm not in that situation. But you'd I'd be like dead. To you'd fi- have exploded. You're a chap. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. If I were a, okay, let's not get into that conversation. Actually, um, let's get into that. No, no, continue.
0: This is one of the few podcasts where that's entirely appropriate. Carry on, Josh. If you're, um, a wo-
2: if I was a woman, I, I think I would try to achieve something more constructive. You know, I wouldn't just rest on my laurels, uh, although I never had to be in that situation, so I don't know how I'd really react, but I, I do understand the mentality of if I'm, if everyone's gonna die, if this, these are like my last moments on earth, I might as well do it, you know, the way I want to, you know, it, try and enjoy my last moments. So even though I maybe can't relate to those women who are just, pumping heroin into their veins. I can understand it. Mm. Shall we go
0: on to characters or is there anything else that we can uh, discuss regarding the uh, fleshing out the world or is it fleshy enough?
5: The one other thing that I I did want to mention this is you, you said earlier or early on about the fact that it's it's written by a man
9: mm-hmm.
5: and ultimately I, I find the characterization although I have a, I have some issues with the dialogue at points I find the characterization is very very well done because he hasn't tried to write women he's written people yeah um, and ultimately I think it would be extremely difficult for a man to try and consciously write women because and Leah you can back me up on this one or not from my observation the way women behave when there are no men around at all is or can be quite different to the way they
3: behave when there are men around. I certainly think that that is uh, while maybe not 100% true it's about 98% true.
5: Yeah so I, I think it would be very difficult for a man to try and observe women And then write them specifically as women because he'd he'd never really get a true picture. I just had Unless this. Unless he was
3: stalking <laughs> that's, that's what I was just going to say. I just had,
5: I just had this that's picture exactly of him, cool. like,
3: installing hidden cameras in random women's houses. And that yeah. would be bad. Yes.
5: <laughs> do not do that in an attempt to make your writing more realistic, please. Um, but, uh, yeah. That's
0: what uh, I shall tell the police. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but as a, as a result, like I said, I think the fact that he's just written people. Um, and only in certain circumstances is the gender relevant. And usually then, in those circumstances, the gender becomes the focus.
6: Are you still
1: mad I kicked you out of bed? Are you still mad I give you? Ultimatums Are you still mad? I compared you To all my 40-year-old Male friends Are you still mad? I shared our
0: go to characters, I'm going to ask you guys to describe to the listeners the following characters. And I've just got a a list of the key characters in the first book and a couple that turn up later. Uh, Try to keep it within the first few books so that there's no real spoilers to major character development later on. Okay, so uh, Agent 355.
2: Efficient is the word that I think of when uh, 355 comes up.
4: She's completely dedicated to her job, to the, the the cause that she believes in that is her single reason for carrying on
3: i was just gonna say she seems a little flat in the first couple of books like there's not much to her other than that single-minded dedication and in later books you you get a little bit more into what's there behind that and i think that is when she really becomes an interesting character to me um she's she's not it's not that she is poorly written in these first couple but you don't there's not a whole lot of depth to her at least i don't think there is
2: i think in the first couple though it's focusing mainly on Ulrich and 355 is there to simply move him from a to b but yeah i agree with you she gets more complex as it goes along um she's one of the more unique female characters in this universe um in uh in that she is extremely capable um, there there are a lot of characters in here that have very unique skills, but three five five is definitely suited to surviving this kind of situation whereas so many characters aren 't
3: I think that um, she's kind of an example of and i hadn't really thought about it this way before but there there are really two. Massive groups that uh, that the survivors in this world could be put into, and that 's those who have had to change who they are almost fundamentally in order to be a productive member of society or in order to just get along to their own satisfaction and there are those who might have adapted but who essentially had the skills and had the uh, the career path if you want to call it that to kind of continue along and their skills are the ones that were needed anyway and she definitely falls into that latter camp because this is what she was doing before this all happened this isn't something that she picked up because she had to do it this is something that was already who she was so that's um kind of an interesting uh way to look at her i think
0: that's a fine point, actually. To begin with, she doesn't change as a result of the, it's just yet another crisis she has to deal with.
3: Well, I mean, everybody's going to change somehow. It's mm. just, it's just the degree and the ways in which they
2: change. Yeah, her role uh, doesn't change.
4: Right, right. Well, That—that's kind of what I meant. She's she's completely dedicated. She's got a, a, a mission to complete, an objective to to fulfil. That objective keeps changing, but that's what she's focused on. She's not really. Unlike pretty much everybody else, she's not thinking about the people she's lost and the fact that half the people in the world are gone. She's just, you know, looking at that as another part of the problem that she's got to overcome. Certainly in the, the first two books, obviously as far as I can say, and certainly the first book, she's just constantly striving to get to that, to complete that next objective, uh, which is one reason why she's not a particularly deep character. She's quite, as you say, quite flat, but also it's, it's how she copes with life it's how she's always coped with life she just does the next thing she needs to do and then the next thing she needs to do she doesn't ever want to just stop and, and take a load off she's always got an objective and that's always what she's striving to complete
0: yorick asks her uh did she does she have family and she says she did and she lost them but it was years ago all of these people that she would have lost just now uh, during the, uh, the the gender side her, her father died in a car crash. It's, it's almost like she had already shut her... She's kind of like a monk, or indeed a nun. She's shut herself off from the rest of civilization, and indeed, she has no other family. You could imagine her going back to an empty house. Very much the picture
7: of like the essential special agent that works off in a secret organization. Mm. You know nothing about them. They have no ties to anybody except for some organization, and even then, they're not completely loyal. Yeah.
2: You say she's like a monk, but I think it's more that she's she was already exposed to so much violence and death in her career, mm. that it's almost like she's just desensitized to it all. Like, oh, more death, okay, uh, that's not really a change to, you know, business as usual. It's... This isn't new to her, where it is to other characters, and I think that's where... um her exchange oh sorry somebody's phone
0: it's mine it's the flipping <laughs> doorbell is attuned to the house down the street and goes off randomly <laughs> on- in the night even though no one's at the door brilliant
3: i to look out the <laughs> window and
5: see if there is actually anybody at the door
3: yeah That's actually good. our I'm doorbell gonna- goes off with the wind sometimes
5: I was
9: like
3: the wind <laughs>
0: Who's <laughs> at the door? That's wind!
3: That's Shut up, wind! <laughs> <laughs> it's creepy.
0: I'm oh, sorry, Josh. Let's not let him lose his thread. What were you saying?
2: Um, where um Agent 355 becomes most interesting for me is the banter she has with other characters who are traumatised by this. Yeah. I think uh, when she's talking to Yurik, his reaction to this whole situation is so different to hers. Um And it's really it's a great way of exploring other characters by having them have to bounce off of this you know brick wall that she represents
0: by the uh, later stages of the story uh 355 actually becomes one of my absolute all time not only favorite characters in this but favorite characters in comics uh, I, I could there are going to be people who have actually finished the series and go what what are you talking about she uh, but um i i started to really care about the character and, and saw the the kind of the sacrifices she'd made throughout her life and how sad she was as a person and how she'd shut herself off from, from that. Um, So yeah, uh, folks starting to read this now, give her a chance. She will probably grow on you. There is, Implications in the early books that she ha- starts to have feelings for Yorick himself. This is not much of a spoiler, I think it's in the second book. She hits her head, goes into, uh, uh um, uh, unconsciousness. And then when Alison Mann's, um, tending to her, she says she needs, uh, I need you, Yorick. And then, uh, Yorick finds out about this later on and asks her, did, so, did you, you got the hoss for me? And she sort of stares at him and then says, nigga, please! And there's this kind of great moment where they sort of, they look away and then they look back and it's kind of like moonlighting. But then they, Brian steers clear of that for a lot of the book and you, it, all it is is a seed sown. Maybe she likes Yorick for more than just because he's her mark, he's her, uh, the person yeah. she has to protect. Um, she treats him more often than not like a puppy that she, like this imbecilic dog that just blunders out into uh, danger and she has to rein back in and frequently beat up the other bigger dogs that uh, y- Yorick gets involved with. So there's a, there's a straight away a great role reversal here of the, the, uh, the main protector and the most competent. You know, the, the, what would be in previous early comics, uh, you know, the silent barbarian type is this not massively physically imposing but uh, extremely professional woman.
5: I think her relationship with Yorick is it's it struck me as being more sisterly than anything else. She's mm. like a big sister. Mm. And particularly if you take into account uh the, the sort of relationship that he had with Hero when he was younger, it actually seems quite natural that she would slip into that role for him, that he would see her that way as this, you know, slightly overprotective big sister.
0: And of course he has another big sister type uh, in the shape of Dr. Alison Mann, brilliant geneticist. Uh, do you guys want to describe Alison Mann? Reclusive. Reclusive, yep. Guilty. Yep. First thing she says when when uh, um, 355 and Yorick meet her at the end of the first book is, I'm the reason this happened. So that immediately makes you think, right, so Mann is the key to all of this. And you find out as things go along, this is not spoiling anything. It's more complicated than that.
2: She's a great contrast, um, compared to 355 and Yorick, uh, because- I'm
0: astonished at how you extend and lengthen the names here. Yorick355711. Five, five, one, one. Dr. Alice on Maine. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dr. Man355 and Yorick. Okay. Sorry, Josh.
4: <laughs> Alex once again punishes Josh for mere pronunciation.
0: I'm sorry, man. That's... <laughs> Everyone else has been saying Yorick the entire time, and I just thought... You pronunciation fascist, you. Is it? I could be wrong. Is it Yorick or Yorick? Just, Josh
5: technically is the most professionally trained thespian amongst us, yeah. so he could has, be
0: right. Has anyone else
3: studied... However, I basically have a degree in Shakespeare, so...
0: Uh-huh.
3: <clears throat> that might trump. Which... <laughs> well then,
0: tell us, oh, expert on Shakespeare, because it's kind of important you right yeah.
2: okay <laughs> I've, I've, I've,
3: <sighs> listen I wasn't gonna make a big deal out of it I just want you to not say nuclear
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: after that I don't care
0: okay it's it's 355 I mean, he even calls her like the words 350 at one point
3: now that's a pronunciation error too it's actually 350 <laughs> <laughs>
0: You
7: don't you don't shut
0: Okay, just, so just to save us all time, which I've just wasted, Josh. Sorry, just, just very
4: quickly, Josh. You... Yeah. Just, just to make you feel a bit better, Alex constantly mis- mispronounces the word console as console. It's something oh. I've noticed. So you, you're not alone in this. He, he does it as well. So. Video console? Console? It's console, <laughs> not console. Is it console? Console. To-, to console someone is to give them, you know, emotional support. Oh my A God, I mean, no, I did that. <laughs> you do it all the time. No, Not all the time, almost all the time. Every so often, you say console. It drives me. Crazy. <laughs> I
3: We're still- all learning all kinds of things about each other right now. God,
4: <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but I had to give Josh some backup at this point. <laughs> Neil Taylor says, Josh Whedon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but just you know, while we're at it, I think you would said Josh Whedon once, Josh. Josh. <laughs>
7: well, that's your problem. You keep saying Josh when you mean to say Josh Whenever Josh is in the room. Listen, okay. I don't well, want
3: to hear anything about me derailing a podcast ever again? This is not my fault.
0: <laughs> Let me start on Doctor Ellison Mann again. Okay.
2: She's extremely pessimistic, more so than any of the other characters in the party i mean uh fifty five is a realist but she's not um she doesn't immediately go to the worst case scenario like dr man does all the time yeah. and yurik i i did that again yurik yurik is a a Optimist, and so she contrasts really well with the other characters. She brings, um, she adds a a different dynamic to situations.
0: I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, three fifty-five is would be probably. Did you say she was a realist? Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a bit where Yorick hallucinates and sees them as uh, Dorothy, the Tin Man, and the Scarecrow. in book four, uh, which is, it's, it's a wonderful way of um, uh, setting up this triangle. They really are sort of skipping along this yellow brick road, uh, even though it is um, terrifying and at uh, times a little too real and depressing. But he's grown extremely close to the two of them. And they grow extremely close. 3.55 and Alison grow extremely close to each other as well. They even at one point start talking in pig Latin because it's the only way that... Um, uh, they could speak without Yorick understanding them, and I think does he say that you said it was you it was Russian or Albanian or something like that
5: uh, chinese
0: Chinese or something like that and it's it 's where it
5: 's gibberish what they 're speaking, not pig latin
0: do you, sorry pig latin is where you say ixnay on the ig latin pay uh, this is i dig die dig own dig li
1: <laughs>
0: I can't speak it but it's the the girly version of gibberish but there's a, a, a close bond actually starts to form between them because ultimately you know they both freak out in their head of, of the, this awesome responsibility that they've got this one kid at, you know in, in their protection and they've just they there's so much riding on it and he's so frustrating
5: I think they do uh, 355 and um, Dr. Man neatly prevent each other from becoming Mary Sues Yeah. because there's no need for one of them to have all virtues possessed within one woman mm. um, they, you know if, if, if a skill is needed for a particular plot point you can you know ascribe it to whichever one of them is most appropriate
8: yeah
0: it's not Dr. Man the uh, brilliant and beautiful physicist and kickboxer indeed <laughs> Any more on Dr. Mann? She can be quite
7: rash. On quite a few occasions, she's taken action without second thought, which has caused issues along the way.
0: She steps out of her depth because she weighs up um, court likelihoods and just works out, I'll probably survive this one.
5: She does have a tendency, actually, and this this surprises me, given that she is a scientist and she is um, uh, supposedly geared towards rationality, but the number of decisions that she makes based on um, some of her psychological bruising, shall we say.
0: Mm. Also, she's gay, and when Yorick finds out, he's flabbergasted, and she dryly quips... Well, I guess we can just add Gaydar to that enormous list of qualities you don't have. But uh, she's, she's one of the best written gay characters I've ever uh, had the, uh, the pleasure of reading.
9: Again,
5: I think that probably comes down to the fact that she is a character and her sexuality is a facet of her rather than it being her whole purpose of being.
0: Yeah. And uh, Yorick Brown himself, how would we describe him?
2: Incompetent.
0: Yes.
5: Annoying. Yes. He's a bit of a dick, really.
0: Yes. Uh, Judgmental, felt, and certainly when he's... in the ...beginning. Yeah. Yep. One-track-minded. Funny. He is funny. I mean, he has made me laugh repeatedly throughout that. Often unintentionally, but he is a funny character.
4: Probably not as funny as he thinks he is. But no. He, yeah. <laughs> he thinks he's he's really something special. Uh, and a lot of the time he isn't. He, he kind of bumbles his way through. Without 355, he would have been dead and gone a long time ago.
0: Matt and Jerome could you both turn your volumes up because you're coming through very very quiet any better a bit louder better louder it'll all even itself out but basically if it's if, it, if you're too quiet then when it bumps up your uh, your speech you're going to hear <sighs> in the <background. laughs> you got to sound like Darth Vader okay so Yorick
2: I think he's the most empathetic of the group um, he really puts himself in other people's shoes in certain mm. situations, whereas the other two will think big picture. No, these people don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Whereas Yorick will consider other people, mm. which is admirable. Uh, admirable considering the situation they're in. Mm. He's more. He is more important than anybody else in the world. Yet he's constantly putting other people ahead of him.
4: I think he, he realizes, he recognizes the fact that being the, the last human male, uh, on earth, he has got a ridiculous responsibility ahead of him. But equally he doesn't want to just, I mean the simplest way of dealing with that would just be to, to basically, uh, get the, the, the whole thing sorted with Dr. Man. But he still wants to go and, uh, find his, his girlfriend possibly fiance and do things the old-fashioned way as he puts it he doesn't want to simply become a lab rat but he knows that that that's effectively what he needs to do and i think he's kind of torn between the responsibility he has and the fact that he views himself as a person just like everybody else is even though he isn't viewed as another person he's viewed as a, a very specific commodity almost it's very clear from the beginning that um, his his hunt
0: for Beth Deville, his uh, girlfriend, is something to keep himself busy. It's it's a, a quest to try to salvage something of normality from the shattered life that he's been presented with. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of secrets for every character actually. There's a lot of things they don't say, and in flashbacks, uh, you you tend to find out these secrets and and, and uh, or occasionally when they're, they'll open up to each other and, and, and reveal it. And uh, Brian's extremely accomplished at presenting you with behavior that often leaves you scratching your head and going, what made you do that? And then several issues later showing you
5: and important then you go, aspects uh... of their life.
0: And then you go, you know what? That's completely and utterly changed the character around for me. Which I think is
9: extremely
0: skillful use of flashback. It's, it's used as a characterization tool because ultimately everyone is made up of a, a patchwork of events that have happened to them in their lives. And there's colors to people's personality which come from events that happened years ago, decades ago in some cases. And unless you become acquainted with those events, their, their behavior will remain obscure.
5: I do really, really like the fact that the narrative is not entirely non-linear, and I think you have just neatly summed
9: up why. Mm. He needs me He doesn't know it But he needs me And so no matter where he goes Though he doesn't care He knows that I'm there He needs me I ought to leave him, but he needs me I know that I ain't very bright Just to tag along Oh, but right or wrong I'm here And I'm here And I'm gonna be his friend Or his lover Cause my one ambition Wake him and me, hey, 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 hey discover that he needs me. I've got to follow where he leads me. Or else he'll never know that I need. Just as he needs
2: me. Well, I, I think that's one of the advantages of this medium, uh, both... Comic books, books and uh, TV shows is that you can dedicate entire chapters of a book or an entire, you know, book of a comic book series or anything like that to just pure characterization. You can't do that in a movie. You have to, you can characterize people, but you have to do it while the plot's going on. Whereas uh, with Why the Last Man, there are books just dedicated to saying, okay, this is what makes this character tick.
0: That's why making this into one film would be a really, really bad idea. It's not about the spectacle. There's a thousand films out there that could present you with skyscrapers falling down. This is about the characters.
5: See, that the, the book that you referred to as your favourite, Alex, number four, essentially there is one thing that happens in that book that's plot-related,
1: hmm.
5: possibly two. The rest of it is entirely characterisation.
0: So, yeah, this would actually work very well as a... Uh, I think they could probably do it in three seasons as a TV show. It's, you know, it's a pipe dream because at the moment, uh, the guy who did the Portal video looked this one up. Sorry, just... Dan Trachtenberg. Dan Trachtenberg, that's the one.
4: The only thing that gave me any hope about the the movie adaptation is that the writers of Jericho were on point. Yeah. And um, uh, lined up to write it, and, and they did a very good job of the whole um, post civilization thing in, in that series. But whether that would, whether they'd be able to work that into a film, I, I they're, they're TV writers, so I don't know whether that'd work or not.
0: Portal No Escape is the uh, name of the uh, film yeah. that Dan Trachtenberg uh, directed. It's um, it's very short. It's on YouTube. and It's extremely accomplished for the uh, for, for what it actually is. Although a- any portal. Uh, production which doesn't have GLaDOS in it is seriously missing a trick.
5: I suspect the fact that that he has been considered for a full-length feature based on that mm. that kind of tells you that the, the people looking to make it either don't take it seriously mm-hmm. which would be very, very bad or they've seen District 9 and gone, that was awesome.
0: Yeah, we could do something like District 9. It's quite possible to do say, the first... T- two and a half books in one film just boil it down uh, it would just not be playing to its strengths. But then again the the vision of America that they put out there, not just America but the rest of the world would be incredibly expensive to render on TV they just about manage it on The Walking Dead.
2: I, I, I don't know, I, I think it's totally achievable on TV, I just don't, I don't think they want to put the money in um, it would cost a lot. I think it would pro- probably cost a lot more money to do a long running TV show than it would be to just do one movie of yeah. this. And I think that's what's, uh, that's what's the factor here that's uh, preventing it from being what I think is the perfect medium for it.
9: Yeah.
2: Quite shame as well, considering that Brian is actually doing TV script writing.
0: Yeah. Brian K. Vaughan had a lot of experience on Lost.
2: Which doesn't sell me (laughs) on the. I was uh, Um, was going to say,
9: yeah.
5: There is actually one cost-cutting measure which would not necessarily be a particularly popular one, um, but actresses, by and large, are a lot cheaper than actors.
2: True enough.
0: But imagine what once, like the first season comes out, and you know, in a brilliant world, it would be fantastic how women would female actors would vie for a position on that show to get a chance to be in something which really characterized women in, in interesting and uh uh diversive ways the french director lula terrier expressed interest in adapting the series for tv shia labeouf said no to it because he believed that the character of yorick would be too similar to spike Witwicky in transformers yeah.
3: i can tell you right now
0: I can tell you right now uh, shia is not
3: well I do want to slap that. so I mean maybe that would be yeah.
2: <laughs> the major difference is that you know Yorick's a three dimensional character um, so what that was meant to be a joke but nobody laughed so I'm going to move I on we were nodding too I, don't much. Know. I was
5: going to say we didn't
9: laugh <laughs> it because it was true
2: Josh yeah. yes. <laughs> it's like
0: Bill Hicks so
2: yeah,
0: so tell it like it is preach on brother Joshua <laughs> um, yeah director DJ Caruso of Eagle Eye and Disturbia uh was attached to the project with David S Goya as producer he's the uh, man who uh, co-wrote uh, Batman Begins and also directed Blade Trinity so he's got he's got his ups and downs uh, but that was you know in the past the, the the point was that New Line were not interested in making more than one movie so and Brian has been pushing for for more than one so if we're lucky we'll get three handled on a relatively low budget character focused films Oh, God, that'd be brilliant. I would be so happy with that as long as they can really stay true to it. But the fact that Brian's involved and the fact that um, you know they've got a, a director who has been able to focus himself on at least one project that's got no money but needs, they need to be able to sort of introduce you to a really specific world, that says good things at the moment. The other thing of course that you folks need to know about Yorick is that he is an escape artist and, and gets put in re- repeatedly in situations where he has to escape uh rooms or restraints and finds that that's actually an extremely useful skill to have. For, yeah.
3: yeah, okay. I have a problem with uh, him escaping from the bunker in the basement of the White House.
4: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The handcuffs against the garbage truck, no problem with that. Yeah, the bunker a okay, bit more that. of an issue, yeah. <laughs> no, I was a bit all of a sudden there's like, it's just a big gap where he's in the bunker. It's not the bunker anymore. Let's not describe how you get out, impossibly get out of the bunker. Let's just, you know, we'll just carry on. Are we discounted of, the fact I that he
0: snuck into the White House as well?
4: You're sneaking into well, the White it's, House is easy the when there's no the guards guard. there. <laughs> Let's be honest. What stops you getting into the White House is all the men with guns who are all dead now, so. They have one
0: you know. woman in the gate in this particular story. And all she's Ooh. got
5: is a stick.
0: Jorik is going to find his mother, uh, Jennifer Brown. Who has become a? What's her actual position? Is she chief of staff? She's a senator. A senator. She's a representative. Actually,
5: a representative. Oh, sorry.
0: Okay.
1: Uh,
0: But uh, yeah, she uh, she did not know he was alive, and so she's uh, amazed, and she's the one who positions 355 to actually uh, ferry him across the country to Doctor Man to then um, see if there's a way to possibly clone him, because that is Doctor Man's field of expertise.
4: And she's, a, she's effectively at the beginning of the book, of uh, the series, acting as the president until the actual president is brought back by 355. Yeah. She's effectively been either put herself or has been put into that, that top position because there's no one else willing or able to do it.
0: One uh, interesting thing um, uh, with this character is that she straight away puts her foot down regarding the abortion issue, which is a huge deal in America specifically, to actually state for the uh, case and say this is where this woman stands. She's anti-abortion, she's educating uh, people as much as possible about other forms of contraception and not using abortion as a contraception, which is a somewhat contentious viewpoint. So it's quite a brave thing to apply to a character that you're supposed to effectively root for.
5: Yeah, that was one of the the, uh, dialogue bits that kind of pushed me out of the story a little bit. That is a an extremely rare to the point of being almost non-existent position for somebody to have. Mm. Um, I mean, I I think there are probably quite a lot of people who would say, in an ideal world, abortion wouldn't be necessary because people would have education about contraception and they wouldn't be in the position of, of having an unwanted pregnancy in the first place. But I don't think... There's many people out there who would say contraception is fine, abortion, no, not under any circumstances. Usually if you're, if you're pro-life, anti-abortion, whatever you, however you want to term it, you're a bit hazy on contraception as well. I think and it's specifically
3: she speaks about the morning after pill, which, yes, which is, that's, considered that's a really to be unusual termination. I think.
0: I think this was, uh, on Brian's part, an attempt to not paint all Democrats in the same light since Republicans get kind of a raw deal of things. Uh, this is – she is one Democrat arguing with another Democrat who is uh, anti-gun control, and she's anti-abortion. So it's like saying, look, folks, all Democrats are not alike,
5: which might no be a little
0: issue. bit clumsy.
5: No, I had no issue with that. I had no issue with her being pro-life – It was just that her position on the factors of that argument seemed to be inconsistent to me.
0: Gotcha. Her daughter and Yorick's sister is Hero Brown. uh, Was it their father who's a particular fan of obscure Shakespearean characters?
3: Yeah. Yeah, isn't he a professor, I believe?
0: Yeah. Yeah, of a fairly minor college, I seem to recall him pointing out. Yeah. So, Yorick is a tertiary uh, named character in um, Hamlet from that extremely famous speech, uh, and something of a joker, which is what Yorick has spent his entire life sort of fitting in with. Uh, Hero is Kate Beckinsale in uh, Much Ado About Nothing.
3: (laughs) I'm glad she's not a character if she's Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> well, she's not really a
5: character, is she? No, she's <laughs> a wilting nice flower thing.
0: who gets besmirched and then uh, basically other people sort out her issues. So um, it's actually quite, quite, quite resplendent of the fact that Hero feels like her entire life has been decided for her uh so uh when you first meet hero she has joined the amazons and uh no actually when you next meet hero after the beginning uh so you start to wonder to yourself what the hell went wrong with this girl that got her to this place
2: she's a victim of indoctrination really yeah, yeah. um i i never i never felt like I hated Hero as a character, despite the heinous things she does throughout the uh, story, um, because there's a sense that she's being controlled by somebody um, not only more powerful but a lot more. Oh, I don't want to say the word evil because that's such a simplistic word, but um, manipulative, manipulative, and unforgivable. She. she Her actions are almost beyond her own um, power to control. She's just under the thrall of um, somebody else.
0: So that sense of lack of control of her life hasn't changed at all. She's just handed over that control to someone else, but it was her
5: choice. Yeah. You do get little hints about Hero's past and her, her view of life that do sort of suggest that that, giving somebody else control of her, um, her destiny in a way, it was almost inevitable. She she's, seems to sometimes have removed herself from making her own decisions.
0: I will say, again, people might uh, draw conclusions about Hero early on. Uh, stick with her.
2: For me, um, actually, she's probably the most interesting character in the book. Apart from Victoria, she's probably the most broken individual we encounter. She's just so psychologically damaged by everything that's going on and the way other people have treated her. I can think of one other.
8: You're angry, I know this. The world couldn't care less. You're lonely, I feel this. I feel and you wish you were the best no teachers or guidance, and you always walk alone you're crying at night when nobody else There are so many things I want to say to you. You're the girl I used to be. You little heartbroken 13 year old me.
0: Uh, Let's talk about that one other. Alter, say Elam. I believe that's how you pronounce her surname. Uh, This is a a colonel in the Israeli army, um, which was determined before the man died, and still is today, to ensure that women get a a decent shot of being soldiers. So they're one of the most formidable fighting forces in the world of uh, Why the Last Man. So Alter is able to go anywhere she likes with a battalion at her back, and sets her sights on yorick brown capturing him and bringing him back to israel even going into the israel situation at all it ha- takes balls so i'm already hats off to brian k vaughan uh, similar issues are explored in uh, world war z but the fact that alter has managed to uh get everyone to, not dissimilarly to Victoria, uh, manipulate the women at her command into doing exactly what she wants, ultimately you know her being the highest-ranked military uh, official in the country, doesn't stand them in a good light.
2: I would say, though, compared to Victoria, there is a logic to what she's trying to do. Victoria is the extremely intelligent,
0: charismatic leader of the Amazons, She believed when they were all still alive that all men were rapists either in the physical sense or in the sense of mental and emotional control which they exert over females. And her immediate natural reaction to seeing Yorick is to tell the women under her command to hunt him down and kill him. She even appoints his sister Hero for this
2: very specific task. But back to Josh on Altar she has an objective um, she wants, you know, the last man on earth so that her group become the most powerful people in the world whereas Victoria's vision is kind of I don't even understand what she's trying to achieve uh, I mean, what she wants basically is, she may not know this consciously, but what she's trying to achieve is the extinction of the human race which is just insanity, whereas this character is, while definitely not, um, as stable as others, is not completely lost to madness.
0: Interesting you should say that there is a, there is more to alter that, uh, surfaces later. I think Jerome and Sharon have read through to the end. Leah, how far have you got?
3: Not to the end. I honestly don't remember how, when I stopped, but yeah.
0: There's more to alter, and um, yeah, but it's interesting that you say that, Josh.
5: I think you do get enough. Um, there are only shades, really, but you do see enough of the other Israeli soldiers to get a feel that, again, these are people, not um, simply cipher representations of a group. That there, there are one or two who stand against what alter does there's others who follow her blindly there's you know what i mean there's there is a variety of responses
0: alter tends to murder the people who stand in her way and and ends up becoming far more of a uh a black character as a result of that as in like there is almost no more dimension to this woman than uh psychotic determination she's not dissimilar in fact to the evil colonel in um avatar the way that James Cameron writes in there. Uh, there's there's more to it, there's more motivation there, and you find that out at the very, very end. But um, th- there are times when you're just thinking, oh, what the fuck are you doing, Alter? You're insane.
5: I think she does also provide um, a, a, a good example of group not quite discipline, not quite punishment, but the idea that when somebody has done something terribly, terribly wrong, it's actually quite rare for people to take the attitude of destroy immediately. I think there's only one or two executions situations, and they are very, very specific. But if you look at, at how the, the other soldiers want to deal with Alter and how the... Um, the women of Marisville deal with the Amazons, there's more of a sense of, of trying to repair when somebody is, is damaged and doing things wrong.
0: Uh, Beth DeVille uh, doesn't get characterized much in the comic at all because she turns up at the beginning in a uh, a conversation with Yorick. She's his girlfriend and she is the MacGuffin of the book, ultimately. She is the person that, who, who keeps Yorick moving, uh, and she turns up more in dreams than she does in person. Uh, but she is a, uh, a, a proper character throughout the book, and it all kind of um, it develops nearer the end. But I think you're supposed to think that Yorick is putting not only his eggs, but the eggs of humanity in one basket.
5: Or oh, not eggs. The sperm of humanity.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love also hearing rumours that are spread around the the world. Someone says, sort of uh, whispers slyly to, I think it's Yorick. I hear they've, uh, in Buckingham Palace, one of the princes is still alive, and all he does all day is fuck, but only blondes. Kind of the, there's um, and this twins in with the amateur dramatic society as well. There's a certain amount of wistful. Um, we want a, a beautiful lie to and then some fantasy to uh, uh, distract ourselves from the horrors of reality. They they get asked to basically perform soap operas for uh, the women of the towns they visit, uh, just so that they could have something of the life they had before. <laughs>
5: That's a little bit bizarre if you think about it though. Why would the beautiful lies be particularly masculine oriented fantasies? Why would you, in your, uh, your misery and your desire to believe that, that there's something good coming out of this, invent a man who, if you're a brunette, wouldn't have anything to do with you?
0: <laughs> I think the woman telling this story isn't blonde actually. <laughs> but it's just the rumor she heard
2: i think there's this desire to make the world more magical than it actually is mm. when you're in a horrible situation it doesn't necessarily have to benefit you but as long as you as you feel like somebody is benefit uh, benefiting out there out there in the world it makes you feel a little bit better because you know the world isn't completely uh, hopeless
0: the Amateur Dramatic Society end up, and this isn't a spoiler, it's just a fun little side story, um, making Hollywood movies, crappy Michael Bay style action movies, uh, which upset several of them because their point of view is look, we've just gotten away from this and we're going straight back into what was rubbish about Hollywood. And Actually,
5: those, those women are a really interesting um, side diversion because they. Was it, Leah, was it you who were saying about the. There's people who have to change to fit with this world and there's people who don't they have that skill you know skill sets already that will work yeah um, the women in this particular town refuse point-blank to adapt they want things the way it was
0: the, they yeah the uh, the fish and bicycle, uh, players Company which is what their name is are uh, offered to do a David Mamate play and they, uh, the lady who's the representative of the town says that wouldn't have any swears now would it? For God's sake we oh. are been in your culture
5: I presume you know where the fish and bicycle thing comes from what? what? A very famous feminist quote a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle
0: Oh nice Very good At least one of them ends up in most of the place with a beard on Actually speaking of which to explain why how Yorick manages to get away being the only man when it should be patently obvious that he is a man. He travels through most of the story wearing a gas mask and full cloak thing uh, which becomes increasingly uh, difficult to explain as they get further and further away from the event which clearly wasn't a nerve gas of any kind.
5: I think that's possibly a bit of exaggeration because if you If you bypass the idea that all women have wonderfully curvy boobs that come out many, many inches past their chin Mm. um, and very obvious hips and very long, slender legs and long, luscious hair, it's actually not that difficult for a man who is not particularly chunky in build Mm. to pass as a woman.
0: The one time that Yorick absolutely passes as a woman, no questions asked, is when he grows a full beard. Because people just assume, sorry, women just assume he's a a transsexual or someone posing as a man because that's what she does. Or if I'm to be wholly accurate at this stage, they assume that's what he does. There's also a bit of a preacher reference there in that uh, Yorick's Leiter says, fuck communism.
6: fuss and relax Pretty little things stuck near my tracks But now she sleeps with one eye open But that's the price she'll pay I took a an knife and cut out her arm I took it home and watched it with a I should pay. I said, hey, girl with one eye. Get your filthy fingers out of my pie. I said, hey, hey, girl with eye. I'll cut your little heart out. Cause you made me cry.
0: And finally, uh, in terms of characters, who have we forgotten?
8: Everybody's got something
6: to have, me and okay.
5: Ampersand?
0: Ampersand. Uh, the glue that holds the book together.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> or not. He's Momo. He's the uh, fun little animal companion. Uh, the, he's a monkey, and he's characterized as such. And... Uh, You know, there's uh, many times when he runs off and they have to run after him or he gets kidnapped and they have to pursue him and he's a MacGuffin to that end. But I grew to really care about Ampersand and I grew to really worry about him. And um, Jerome, Josh, Sharon, do you remember that uh, episode of um, uh, Avatar when Momo has the dream about him and um, Appa? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think I mentioned this on that show, and in the mirror i 'm going to mention the uh, the opposite now. ampersand has a dream about Yorick at uh, a later stage in the um, comic, and you get to see what a human would mean to in the mind of a monkey filtered through a dreamscape and he 's trying to protect an egg in a nest uh, adrift in an ocean from uh, seagulls and yorick 's face hatches out of the egg and it's it's precious to uh, Ampersand. And that was the moment that I suddenly started really caring about that little shit-throwing monkey.
5: He kind of takes on the role of a child in this. Almost, yeah. Which the nappy helps.
0: Yeah. To there's create. A, <laughs> there's a point later on where they meet a, a, a female capuchin and Yorick is told, what, capuchins are actually really easy to toilet train. What have you done wrong here? Because uh, Ampersand's been wearing a... Uh, a diaper and throwing his shit at everyone since panel one.
4: I've read, say I read the first two books, and so far, Ampersand hasn't really. He's been there, but he hasn't really done very much. <laughs> he's not really uh, a character, though. Yeah, I mean, it, but all he's done is run off once, and that's pretty much it. And he's yeah. thrown some poo at once. He has. He's just been there in the background on someone's shoulder. He hasn't really been in any way involved in anything, so I, I haven't yet kind of really. Been able to form any kind of attachment to him. Well, uh, he's not getting Pikachu, I'll give you that. <laughs> no, I, I, obviously, from what you say, that will develop, but certainly for the first couple of books, that uh, isn't I the case. I'm not
0: going to oversell it. I mean that you won't get to the end of the book and go, that was the best characterized monkey <laughs> I've <have> ever read. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but there's a reason. Although there's a, a shocking one. lack of characterization in monkeys in fiction so far, to be fair. It's, there's it's a, a reason
0: story. why, if you saw a silhouette of Yorick Brown with Amp on his shoulder, you would immediately think, why the last man? It's he's so he's the mascot for the book. Ultimately,
2: I, I would say that his presence does um, speak a lot about um, Yurik's character. Um, his relationship with that monkey and him talking to the monkey does reveal a lot about his character. Uh, the, the monkey's not complex, as you said, but I think he does bring some much-needed levity mm. to proceedings, um, especially when stuff gets really dark.
5: Oh, Ampersand is Yorick. In Hamlet, Hamlet talks to the skull and that allows him to soliloquize.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh. There's a, a front cover of one of the issues, which is Ampersand in full Shakespearean garb holding a skull. The the covers actually are really beautifully done and very clever and uh, 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 worth taking an extra look at when you're actually going through. Because, yeah, excellent job there. One piece of music that I do want to play for you is Gloradin, sung by Lisa Gerrard. When you read the first issue, it counts down to the Annihilation of the Men as, beat by beat, you're introduced to the characters. I always envisioned this happening as a montage of horrific scenarios that, despite their grim content, strangely unify the survivors at the core. The women left behind are scarred for life by this event. Some, understandably, choose not to stay, and, handled right, with the honest depiction of confusion, pain, and grief, this moment could ingrain itself upon cinematic or television history. There's a reason this is my favourite non-superhero comic book of all time. In fact, there's several. Oh, um, I, I did actually forget to say after um, uh, Shia LaBeouf rejected the role of a lifetime... Um,
4: Damn... Yeah. A
0: shame. Uh, Such a shame. Zachary Levy, who plays the lead in the TV series Chuck, has expressed interest in playing Yorick as he's a fan of the comic book series, even going so far as to have his character Chuck Bartowski read Why the Last Man, a graphic novel of it, in the episode Chuck vs. the Nacho Sampler. Uh, this is the guy who did the voice of Eugene in Tangled. Yeah. He's actually very funny and, and yeah. likable in that film. Um, the problem is he's 32 years old. Yeah. He could, def- look play-
4: the, the bastard.
0: Yeah, he could definitely play Yorick in an animated version of it, but he's now too... Up- the whole point is that Yorick has to look young to begin with, and he's young. You know, he can't just have a man-child like, you know, Marty McFly acting him a lot younger than he actually is.
1: Well, you could.
0: You could. I mean, I, as Sharon, you said earlier, I'd much rather have someone who knows and loves the comic playing him than someone who doesn't but looks better.
5: I think there's... I'm, I'm racking my brains to think of anything essential that is that it would be very very significant that he's 22 and not 32 or 28 or something like that in all honesty the only thing I can think of is the lack of understanding about his own sexuality
0: it's also lack of experience the whole thing about Yorick is he hasn't really seen the world he's, he's had um, uh, he's had school and then he had uh, college and, and then uh, he's ended up as an unemployed wannabe magician escape artist, he doesn't have um, a plan, and he doesn't really have experience of the world beyond because you know, he's dating his his uh, college sweetheart and plans to marry her. So it's kind of like he's he's um, he's in need of this this world trip to uh, to expand his horizons. So if he's a thirty two year old that then makes you ask yourself questions about what the hell he's done with 10 other years.
5: Actually, yeah, that is quite a good point. Yeah. If, you're, if your college girlfriend disappeared saying, I'm going for a trip to Australia, I'll be back soon, and 10 years later she still had not returned, <laughs> you'd start to think something was amiss. I mean,
0: I know what I've done with those 10 years, um, but I also don't have the, the same judgmental prick attitude of uh, you know, early Yorick Brown. But either way, um, it would be easier for someone who was thirty two to act like they were twenty two than someone who didn 't know anything really about the comic book to act as yorick brown
2: yeah i mean I mean a great example of that is Carl urban doesn 't really look like the character of dread as yeah. born in the comic book, but he 's a huge fan of two thousand a d and I think he got the character nailed absolutely,
0: oh, did you see that thing about uh, they are publishing a uh, 2008 comic with uh, what appears to be Dread in a uh, romantic clinch with another man. Um, yeah, I saw I'm that. fairly certain it's a hoax, and it's just a guy dressed as Dread as, as part of the clubbing scene, and they're just doing it to stir up some shit from their uh, audience. But there's already people bo- you know, saying they want to burn the book, which is a brilliantly fucking juvenile reaction to yeah. have.
8: Dread mean- can't, you- can't be good. Ah!
2: I, I just find it so absurd, because in my mind, if it was legitimate, I doubt it is, but if it was legitimate, then wouldn't that make the character even more interesting?
0: Hell of a lot more interesting. <laughs> it's just, it explains so much.
2: Yeah. What like, he's been pressing all
0: these years and his yeah. total clinging to the law. <laughs>
2: Yeah, just it explains the anger, his need for control and everything like that. It just makes the character make a lot of sense in so many ways.
0: There's that bit in the film where um, uh, Anderson scans him at the beginning and goes, there's something, and it's like, ah, of course, that something was that he's gay. (laughs) I think that's pretty much it for the first book. I will say... That uh, this this is the third time I've read this series, and I went through all ten books before we started doing this podcast. And the first time I finished this series, I went, that was the ending? The, what I, I was waiting for a big explanation of why all the men died, and I was waiting for a big explanation as to why Yorick survived. And there is something of a lost-style faith-versus-science thing going on. Yeah. But... It doesn't matter. Ultimately, the, the event the, – Yorick even says at some point, um, you know what, whatever it was was going to be a letdown. Th- there's nothing Brian could cook up that would actually be worth people's speculation. How the actual event happens isn't really all that important. So don't read it with a view to, to that being the thing you find out. Um, it's, it's about character development. And the second time I read it, I thought, no, you know what? That actually makes sense as, as a term, in terms of an ending. And the third time, the most recent time when I read it, the tenth book devastated me. How this ends yeah. devastated me. And I, 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 had, I went to sleep and had very, very torrid dreams after that.
7: I can on- honestly say that at the tenth book, you... You guys who have finished the book know which part I'm talking about. I literally just had... I put down the book when it happened. I didn't come back to it for another three days because it just affected me that much what actually happened. Mm.
0: Um, and it's, uh, it's... It's about... The journey that you've taken with these characters and it, it eventually comes to a close in the 10th book. I'm not going to say what happens. Um, but I will say it's worth it. It's worth paying out 10, 12 pounds a time for all 10 of these books, spending 120 quid in total on this whole series because it is, I don't know. Uh, uh, Leah, I suppose that the equivalent for you would be Sandman in terms of, huge influence and powerful effect yeah yeah.
3: I, yeah I was i supposed to respond to that just, just in terms
0: of you <laughs> kind. Like i haven't
3: that. read the whole thing so i don't know no wow. no
0: no. I, you, but you have read the whole of sandman right well, yes yeah okay so did sandman have a huge effect on you absolutely then that's that's what i'm driving at okay here. in terms of a sense of wow that's um uh, it, in fact, I believe it's probably uh, affected me more so in, in recent years than Transmetropolitan. And going back to Preacher, it has—it it is a shadow of the impact it used to have now. Uh, there's, there's some bits of Preacher that I uh, uh, still like, but it's juvenile in comparison. That's just what I, I, I got from it in the end. Uh, I'm on book five and pottering through. But uh, ha- having turned to that straight after Why the Last Man, it, it just couldn't compare. And I'm kind of afraid to go back to TransMet. And I, again, I don't want to oversell it. There is definitely too many books in this series as well. Um round about five, there's almost three books worth of procrastination before you get to the end. And if they were gonna do it as uh, three movies, there's actually big old chunks they could just leave out. Because um the end is very important and the first, say, five are very important. Um but that doesn't mean it's not a fantastic comic anyway. I just don't want to oversell it and say 10 perfect books, 10 totally worthwhile books.
2: I think these books are uh, important as well because we're talking about comics here and I'm I'm sorry to generalize but by and large comics are really bad at doing female characters. Mm. Um and it's oh, no. so
5: generalize away, you're spot on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Um, and it's just great to have a series that's almost dedicated to creating great female characters um, in this medium specifically, if it was any other, like film has plenty of great female characters, it's just nice that this medium has a series that represents that audience
5: I'd say film has some great female characters, I wouldn't say plenty
2: I'd say much more, much, much more than comic books. Yes,
3: Yes. yeah. Yeah, Yeah. pound (laughs) for pound. Proportionately
2: (laughs) plenty.
0: Would would we say that literature probably has the highest proportion, pound for pound, of better female characters than male?
2: I think yes, because there are far more, uh, there are far more women involved in the creative process when it comes to novels than any (laughs) other medium. Yes. That's true,
5: but I would also say there are many more horror female characters in literature because Mills and Boone?
0: Because Mary Sue.
2: Well, that that's the nature of any medium. You're still going to get the stuff you scrape at the bottom of the bucket, but um, I think it's the cream that should represent um, what that medium's capable of. And with novels, there is a higher proportion of great female characters than any other.
0: Okay. So, um... Just to summarize, if you were a fan of World War Z, there will be much for you to to get into here. Uh, If you're a fan of The Walking Dead, games, TV, uh, books, again, much to uh, get into here. Um, If you're a fan of more independent fare, specifically stuff, um, you know, indie books written by women, which tend to be a little more female-centric, then... Yeah, it's, it's, it's got more in common with that than it does uh, non-Vertigo-related superhero comics. So, yeah, definitely.
5: Also, if you want to read a comic book that does not involve masses of T and A.
0: Which is astonishing, because 99.9% of the cast have T.
4: <laughs> and 100%
3: have A.
0: Good point, yep
5: this is true but again it's it's the whole you know men are not around open display of TNA not entirely necessary
0: that doesn't mean that there aren't a large amount of actually very appealing very attractive characters and I mean well, I, in terms of uh, the whole package not just straight out looks
5: I, I was going to say I think the, the, the significant thing though is that, um, that uh, Vaughan allows the appeal of each individual character to be an individual thing Mm. so the reader will actually be drawn to uh, you know various readers will be drawn to various different characters it's not just a case of here's the collection of big titted blondes that you're going to you know enjoy
0: it's also important to put in perspective that just a few years before this i was reading danger girl by (laughs) by jeff scott campbell um anyone know who jeff scott campbell is
3: no, but Danger Girl sounds like a book that probably has very large breasts in it.
0: If it's possible to basically have them. every panel has a woman showing both ass and tits.
3: Oh, so the spineless ones. He
0: <laughs> <laughs> twists them into incomprehensible shapes. It's written by Andy Hartnell. There are, there are some crayon scribblings in there of a plot. Um, it's, a, it's a send-up of the Bond uh, franchise. But... This was, like, my favourite comic of 1998. I was a moron. I was a shambling imbecile. And then, what, four years later, I'm reading Why the Last Man and going, this is goddamn comic writing.
5: So what significantly happened to you between 1998 and 2002? Couldn't say,
0: Sharon. (laughs) 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 You wiped the crust off the side of my mouth, straightened my tie... (laughs) made sure I had a breath man, and then suddenly I was seeing the world entirely differently. Possibly, I don't know.
2: So wait, they have personalities as well as boobs. I, I never knew this.
5: In as much as
2: Charlie's Angels.
0: Where every girlfriend I had, I kept trying to sort of swivel around so that I could see both boobs and butts at the same time.
5: <laughs> yes, you, Jessica Campbell! At least you were trying to swivel you around and not make her swivel around so that you could see both.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to show you guys some pics of Danger Girl, just so you can. So in fact, now you know what. Just just so you can get a full smoggers board here. Everybody listening with access to computer, just go to Google Images and type in Danger Girl. I want you all to do that right now, and just scroll down and down and down.
2: Uh, okay. I'm going to once
3: more pull uh, this okay, this old yeah.
0: link out. Okay.
7: Yeah. I get it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. No one image can really sum this up, but the barrage of I... that we're all currently looking at can. <laughs> <laughs> draw a stick. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There is one with Abby Chase, the uh, the, the lead danger girl, um, like, kneeling on all fours, resting on her elbows, holding a smoking gun with an arcing rope of smoke looping out and over on top of her. <sighs>
5: Is that an actual image from the comic, or is that fan art? No,
0: that's, that's Campbell. Ah, sigh. <Sorry>. Le
5: sigh. <so. laughs> Le sigh, <so. laughs> yeah. Just, I
0: mean, th- this is obviously a tangent here, but um, it, it just shows how much fucking growing up I needed to do. And that's another thing. Yorick... Slowly grows up in this, the actual journey takes several years, and he starts out being this imbecilic kid, and by the end he has changed. There is literal character growth in this in a way that Dragon Ball Z eh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> does not and cannot ever <laughs> achieve. I-, I loved what you said about. It. Ball z. <laughs> well, that,
2: that, that's not a deficit of bad uh, you know good female characters that's a deficit of good characters by and large just, yeah. I, oh i hate that show so much <laughs> anyway it's,
7: i i essentially you punish yourself by watching that if you're not 10 years old
2: yeah i can understand like a brain dead teenager enjoying dragon, <laughs> dragon ball z but like oh my god does neil still watch it uh, Neil, Neil, Into- Neil, ironically enjoys it. He, uh, he, uh-huh. he, he right, re- you yeah. know what? Yeah, yeah.
3: anybody says they ironically enjoy something, bullshit. he watches Dragon
2: Ball Z for the
0: articles. Sorry, Neil. Obviously, you have every right to to enjoy Dragon Ball Z, but um... well,
3: I'm not saying that it's, uh, I'm just saying that the ironic, and I'm putting the air quotes around it, is a bullshit <laughs> label. Yeah. That he, he actually... he,
2: he, during during the podcast, he said, "I absolutely agree with everything you're saying, but yes. I don't. I don't hate uh, Dragon Ball Z for those reasons. Yeah. Enough. Fair enough. <laughs> as long as you acknowledge that those problems exist, that's fine. But okay. So I think that about wraps up Why the Last Man. Um, I was
0: considering doing like a follow-up podcast to this, but I think like Deadwood, we've pretty much summed it up to the point where people can now pick this up and run with it. And if it appeals, great. You'll know by the end of the first book whether you want it or not, whether you want to carry on with it. It's available uh on uh, on Kindle and you can basically watch read the ebook version of it. Has anyone actually done that?
4: Yes, that's how I'm doing it. Gotcha. It's cheaper. It's very good, actually.
0: Uh, uh, that's a good point, Matt. You're you're brand new to this series. Uh, of all of us, you've actually you you started reading this on my suggestion, so you could come on this show. Two weeks ago. Thank weeks you for years. coming on. What what was your your first impression on this one? That we if we if you know if we haven't mentioned it already.
4: Uh, well, I, the art style is, is very much my kind of thing. It, uh, it's very uh, clean lines, bold, uh, bold drawing style uh, bold colors which was one thing that immediately stuck out to me but what I I thought it was kind of slow to get going to begin with um for the first sort of couple of comics effectively of, of the first collected book but then it, it just didn't have and it didn't really kind of a flow to it exactly it was just a nice steady pace all the way through that first book which I just read it all in one sitting and didn't didn't put it down uh I just thought it was It was very well put together it, The writing was good the, the art was good And I, I thought it was brilliant yeah. uh, And it, it just kept me Wanting to find out What happened next There's, there's constant like, Little threads appearing uh, Little hints of, of What might happen In the future I just thought it was very good
0: as Sharon said, book four actually isn't uh, essential to the plot. And I think that's uh, what um, those other the – sli- the later books that I mentioned seem to be like just playing for time all have in common as well. They are all characterization, uh, not necessarily key to the plot. I think most of the mo- most important stuff happens in the first five books. And then uh, the well, – what say, the first three books, then the fifth book. And then the uh, the last book uh, rounds the whole thing off, but uh, that also leaves five extra books of characterization, and not one of them will you finish reading and go, oh, "That was a bit of a weaker one." Uh, you'll still be compelled by it, I believe, and um, it's it remains strong and consistent the whole way through. And uh, Brian K. Vaughan and Pierre Guerrero are to be commended for their consistency and ability with that one. It's great to to read a series that starts, has a middle, and then finishes. Uh, without huge amounts of time off for hiatus and changing creative teams there's a definite sense of uh, uh th- this being created and altered and that they achieved what they wanted to okay so i think that'll about do it for the, for the pimping and uh, you can acquire this wherever all good books are found the first book is called Unmanned.
4: Uh, the- Cost of it on, on the Kindle edition is um, uh, six seven quid per book, which is quite a bit cheaper than the actual hard copy. Right,
0: and uh, on the Kindle version, does it have that um, DC thing where it'll sort of highlight specific panels for you, and you just sort of it zooms in? On...
4: Yeah, I, w- I was trying to read this on my phone. I've got a very small phone. Jesus uh, it's, it's just because I, I didn't have, have my tablet with me, um, gotcha. and I just wanted to read it. And even on my phone, which is a three-and-a-quarter-inch three and screen, with that, you basically double-tap anywhere on the screen, it'll, it'll bring up the text of that particular panel, the important bit of that panel, and then you just scroll through in the normal way you would, but it goes panel-to-panel panel rather than page-to-page. Page. And even on a three-and-a-quarter-inch screen, it was only just, but it was actually readable even with that. It works very, very well. It's really good. On a side note, actually looking
0: at it, it doesn't appear to be on sale straightforward as regular books. You can definitely buy it on a very popular uh, online website for buying things.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can buy it.
5: You are pissed at them right now, aren't you?
0: It's also available in deluxe hardcover versions, which will uh, g- uh, combine uh, two books to one hardcover. There's five of those available. And, of course, if you are picking this up and start reading it and start talking about it, then, for the love of God, come to the forums and talk about it on uh, the specific Why the Last Man thread that we will have set up. Uh, because I'd like, to, I'd like to see how people get on with this one. There's going to be people who grab it and go all the way to the end. Um, some might be even really quick about it as well. And there's going to be people who just go, what are you talking about? This is rubbish. Are there?
5: not there'll be many there might yeah, to, be
0: one or two to those of you who do I recommend Danger Girl Hi, <laughs> Jeff Scott Campbell Oh, okay so we will see you again very soon for another episode of Gonzo I'd like to thank my guests Matt Ramsey
4: welcome
0: Leah Haydu.
5: thank you Sharon Shaw thank you very much for having me
0: Jerome McIntosh no worries and Joshua Garrity
2: thank you for having me
0: and we'll see you
1: soon